To this generational wealth, bet that We gon' lift off like a jetpack Time to tune in, not just speaking real facts Right here is everything you need This ain't no get rich quick thing Create your own economy Cause we ahead of the crypto curve, yeah Afternoon. What a happy day it is. Today is February the 8th, 2023. And it is a great day. And I will say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to say welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi Millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, and one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you. I am your host, Naja Roberts, and it is my mission in life to lead my people out of financial slavery. Today is a fantastic day, and it is the birthday of some of our cryptopians. And I'm going to say a happy birthday to each and every one of them. We have Russ Rizzo. We have Deanna Denton, Jody Cotton Jim. Dell Allen and Aline Moore and a heavenly birthday to my mother-in-law Gloria Roberts. So this is your birthday today and I want to say happy birthday to each and every one of you. I hope your day is filled with love, joy, peace and all the understanding that you need to make this an incredible day. If you would like to get a shout out on your birthday, please send me a text message to 424-317-7373. Again, 424-317-7373. Happy Black Futures Month to each and every one of you as well. Today we are honoring in our series called Black People Know Bitcoin Too, Dr. Shalair Armstrong, and she is a doctor of medicine. In fact, she is a doctor of chiropractic work and her discipline and her practices are done in the Boston, Massachusetts area. And, you know, Dr. Shalair is really straddled between making sure that our community is healthy in a way that is really healthy without using the regular traditional pharmaceuticals. And so she gets into the Bitcoin space, educating on Bitcoin because she feels, of course, that money is most important because it allows us the options to be able to do something other than the traditional medications that are being given to our community. And so to Dr. Shalair Armstrong, who is a fabulous mother of two young men, and again, in the Boston area, very 
uh, active in her community dealing with the NAACP. And I tell you, after being in Boston, I realized that there is some real, real old money that has to be penetrated up there in the Boston area and some real, real um issues as it relates to diversification or diversity and inclusion. And so Dr. Shalair Armstrong is doing that specifically in the Bitcoin space and the cannabis space as well. And so we thank her for all that she has done to overcome the obstacles that she's faced with in the Boston area and for being a advocate for the Native Americans that are there as well in the Boston, Massachusetts area and really helping them come to understand how Bitcoin can absolutely assist them as they attempt to close the wealth gap and deal with the things that they have been dealing with. And so, again, happy Black Futures Month to each and every one of you. And... Dr. Shalair Armstrong left a phenomenal legacy for us to feel. And I say that because every morning we would get up and she would have wake up with Bitcoin for beginners on Clubhouse. And because she's gone in another direction as it relates to uh, education in the cannabis space, we're going to pick up the baton and a gentleman by the name of Black Regal that some of you may know. We're going to do something called Wake That Ask with a K, A-S-K, Wake That Ask Up with Bitcoin in the mornings on Clubhouse because there is a huge group of individuals that are on the East Coast trying to get ready for their day, really wanting to start to learn again and be able to ask questions. And so we're going to do that on Clubhouse. And again, we are going to just say thank you to Dr. Shalair Armstrong for putting that thirst for knowledge out there and continuing to forge um, as everyone is learning about this space. And so my crypto currency quote for the day is I buy Bitcoin not for where I am today. I buy Bitcoin for where I will be tomorrow. And that is my quote for the day. And ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, we will get into our cryptocurrency market update. And we're going to have a little conversation about President Biden's State of the Union address last night. And there is a whole lot to talk about. When we come forward, this is KBLA Talk 1580. In a moment, moment. more with Najee Roberts as we get ahead of the crypto curve on KBLA Talk 1580. Start to your day. You're listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Najee Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. So as you all know, last night there was a State of the Union address by our president, Joe Biden. And because we are in the midday money hours, we are going to actually talk about what he stated, because the State of the Union has all to do with the state of money, not just in America, but in our communities and in our households. And I need to really point out a couple of things that were stated 
a couple of things that we should be taking away from what was said last night and really pointing to some of the quotes that he stated and then really just trying to help us start thinking critically about what we need to be doing during these times. I've said multiple times that we're in what's a perfect storm. And I think it's, again, it's not a perfect storm in a good way, but it's a, a bunch of different things colliding all at once that could have a major effect on money and how money flows through our households, how money flows just everywhere. And so um, one of the things that I want to make sure that you were clear or, you know, when the president is talking, a lot of times we skim through things. Maybe we're washing dishes or cooking dinner or doing the things that we do. And we really don't take heed to some of the words that come out of their mouths. And so I want to just say the first thing that I want us to take heed to that President Joe Biden stated, and I've been saying this in different ways, but he specifically said, and I quote, we are facing the test of our time. Like we are bitterly divided in Congress, as you all may or may not know, and he called for everyone to come together and finish the job. And I don't really know what that means in its totality, uh, but he stated that. And I've told you all we're facing the test of our time and we're either going to get a pass or fail on this because this is the have or have nots. And every single thing that he actually talked about in this union address has to do with where money is going, how money is going to be able to uh, either help us or hurt us. And we've got to really pay attention to the signs and how immature the individuals that are controlling everything are being. And as I watched the address, I listened to these hecklers, 72 minute speech. And we got Republicans yelling out and acting like they have no good sense. Uh, not that, um, you know, not to say that all of them were doing these things, but we do know that we had these hecklers. And what that did was it actually helped us get a real check and a gauge on the fact that this bipartisan thing that everyone is talking about was absolutely spoiled by the fact that these Republicans were yelling out and heckling and letting us know that no time soon because they control some of the houses um, that we're going to get we're going to get an agenda passed in this country. And so this, again, ladies and gentlemen, leads us to know that we don't know what's coming up. We need to be concerned. Nobody should be in a position are thinking that they need to ease their concerns about the economy. Although our president tried to disseminate that information and tried to ease everyone's concerns, I believe that that heckling let you know that we're in for a fight, which is why he stated, quote, that we are bruised. We have a bruised democracy. And he said, it's time out for fighting just for the sake of fighting, power for the sake of power, conflict for the sake of conflict gets us nowhere. And so these remarks we know were directed specifically at the Republicans. And we've been 
uh, all of us have have got to really pay attention to what's going on. Not again, just on the micro, but on the macro. And what does this mean for our economy if we can't get people to come together in Congress and House, Senate, all of those things to really do what's good and best for the American people. But I believe one of the things that I heard the most is that Biden was setting the stage for a reelection in 2024. And so he looked beyond the immediate battles of Congress, which looking beyond the immediate battles really will hurt our community specifically because we've got to get some things done in the economy in order for us to be able to thrive and not just allow for those people that have excess funds and all of those things to be able to thrive because they have some money that they can put their hands on. But when we're living paycheck to paycheck, I don't even, I know he has to address 2024, but I, I just really felt like they kind of skimmed over the battles that our community is facing right now as it relates to being able to, again, feed our families and not live paycheck to paycheck. And he talked about some blue collar jobs and some of those things. And I'll talk about that in a second. But um, he spent less time actually articulating a a vision for this year and next year ahead of this gridlock in Congress. And I really don't think that was a great idea. But I know that they know what they're doing as not to really scare the American people. And so I just want to make sure that I'm bringing that to everybody's attention so that we can figure out within ourselves, within our communities, what we may need to do to make it clear uh, that our work isn't over. Our our thought process is not over because someone is telling us that the infrastructure is in place and everything is okay. Uh, all the reforms that need to be made in legislation and, and all the stalled things that happened in Congress last year, Um, yeah, they definitely need to finish the job and not in 2024, like 2023, like right now, we need to get some things done, uh, to really help our communities move forward. And so, uh, one of the other things was talking about social security and Medicare. And for those of you who this matters to, and I say it matters to all of us because we have parents Uh, For those of us that haven't reached Social Security age or Medicare age, but we have parents and grandparents that are in the middle of this debacle and this standoff over raising the ceiling debt absolutely has to deal with our um, individuals that are receiving Social Security or Medicare and where they're going to be able to go and they're wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare is a problem. And so for those of, that are my age in our, in our beginning 50s and some of us in our late 40s, we've got to look at what it looks like to be able to care for those aging parents and grandparents. Because I know that you're familiar with really some of the demographics of people that are in some of these rest homes and senior care facilities. We traditionally 
have taken care of our elderly. We have them in our homes. We make sure that we are caring for our loved ones. We don't leave that to someone else. So if that's the case in our communities, we've got to make sure that we've got a financial backup plan to be able to help take care of our elderly parents and grandparents because that's what we do. And that's our very fiber. That's the fiber of our community. And even if we could send our our parents and grandparents to 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 elderly care facilities ladies and gentlemen i got a news flash for you if you haven't called and i had to call when i was caring for my grandfather because he needed some uh he needed care after he broke his hip and i was surprised to find that families were actually paying between seven thousand and fourteen thousand dollars a month to care for elderly parents and they had the money to do that. But I, I had to make a decision when it came for his care for about two to three weeks after his hip surgery to get him the physical therapy and those things. And again, I was just, a, I was just, a, the, the price just gave me a shock as to what regular everyday and I'm not even going to say working people because I don't even know how working people can afford to pay seven thousand to fourteen thousand dollars a month for their elderly to be in these homes but they were and um, we've got to do something to make sure and ensure that if we're going to have our loved ones in our home that social security medicare may be cut by the individuals that want to cut. And I'm not going to say that it's all Republicans, but some of them do. And he pointed that out. And we've got to get ready in our community. Like we have got to get ready because their back and forth is going to affect us. Absolutely affect our households. Not in 2025, 27, any of that. If they make a wrong decision this year, it is definitely going to um affect our community. And then he talked about focusing on blue collar workers and he actually used the term left behind. This literally saddens me because Biden tried to strike a balance between celebrating economic gains, including this 12 million jobs created since he entered the White House while recognizing that not all communities have prospered. And for that, I thank him. And as I traveled going across the country last summer uh, to all of the cities, inner cities that we went to, I literally have a new respect for helping get this wealth gap closed. Because ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea what state these communities are in. And when you look at Los Angeles and you see all the homeless and the different individuals on the streets, you you really feel like you've seen the worst until you see communities where they're not necessarily in tents or um, sleeping on the streets, but they're sleeping in houses that are dilapidated. There, there's like a lot of things going on in a lot of communities across this United States. And these 12 million jobs that were created, the jobs that they just reported last week are not actually sustainable, financial sustainable jobs. And so this is where we get into making sure that our community is investing and saving more than they're spending, but also really trying to figure out the investments that we're putting our money in, 
have to be beating inflation. And if inflation is at six to eight percent, we got to be putting our money into things that are keeping up with inflation or surpassing them. And I will say that in this cryptocurrency space, we have been able to do that solidly. And I'm not just talking about uh, investing in Bitcoin because I've stated to you that we've got to be diversified in this space. And so while I am buying Satoshis, I'm also taking those Satoshis or some of those Satoshis because I've got different buckets that do different things, really helping me beat inflation. And we've done a great job, not because I'm smart, because I'm really paying attention to what new money is doing and how it's moving us in a new direction from what he's talking about right now, because work is not going to get our community back on our feet. And I don't, and it's definitely not going to close the wealth gap. So too many people have been left behind or treated like they're invisible. Quote from our president. He is saying that maybe you're watching this at home and you remember the jobs that went away. I don't see that the jobs are back, but he's saying that the blue collar blueprint to rebuild America is available and his bid again back to 2024 um, is going to help that happen. And I know that there's a lot of things that are going on and um, there's a lot of things that are going on and what they're saying or trying to say or trying to just I don't know. I just want to just say that lack of college college degrees is not what is going to uh, get us where we need to be are getting more people with college degrees because jobs are just not paying what they should be. And so there's a lot of things that have to happen in that respect as well. The only um, I'm not even going to get into the Chinese spy balloon thing. That was one of the things that he talked about. And so, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things that are happening. We know definitely that in our community, there is an emotional call for police reform and police reform absolutely has to happen. It was, if there was, there was just an emotional feeling. I really feel as though if we have our economics in order, in the next couple of years, we can really do something to shape the reform of our police. I believe that private companies, uh, we can hire private companies to police our communities and we can demand that folks live where they police and some other things. If we have the right funding to do so, I think when we rely on the counties and the states to to utilize the money that comes in and then that money is given to the to the wrong agencies, like all of those things. We've we've seen this happen in history over and over and over again. So why are we still expecting something different to happen when that money comes in from the feds, when that money comes in from the state? It's given to the agencies that our powers that be think that it needs to be done. But if we are able to put our communities in our own hands by hiring the people we need to hire to keep us safe and do those things. I think we'll do a much better job. And if we look back at some of our black wall streets and some of the communities that we built that were strong back in the past, we had our own, uh, 
we had our own security. I'll say it that way. And 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 before um, those communities were actually destroyed, we were doing quite well. And I think we just need to look back at those things. And I was talking to my children about those things because they're having a hard time this month really dealing with and this is this is a whole nother conversation but since i'm talking about black and policing and and reform um as i am telling you that i have four little little people that are in elementary and junior junior high school they are having a rough time even taking a look at black history this year and we don't live in florida but there's so many things that are being said by their peers at school as it relates to black history and some of these things they don't even want to really grasp how phenomenal we've been in the past and i and i'm telling them yesterday all the things that we've invented and they're they're not even understanding that these black wall streets existed that this security existed that we were policing and banking and loaning ourselves and so with that ladies and gentlemen we've got a lot to do not just in police reform but community reform so when we come forward after news sports and traffic we will jump into the cryptocurrency conversation and i'm going to make sure you understand how we can do better as it relates to implementing a new plan for our communities this is kbla talk 1580 courage is contagious we're kbla talk 1580 this is kbla talk 1580 where hate loses and love wins All right. Welcome forward. We are going to jump into our cryptocurrency market cap and we're going to figure out where we are today. And then we're going to talk about a couple of coins, which I don't usually do, but because I'm looking at some polls and some studies to really try to figure out where we are in this United States, where we are in this world, as it relates to the amount of people that are using Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, because I get asked that all the time. A lot of different individuals are asking me, you know, why are African-Americans in cryptocurrency so much more than any other group of individuals? And then I started looking at these polls because I want to find out Uh, what groups of men, what groups of women. And so we're going to talk about that in just a few. But Bitcoin right now is trading at $22,935. It's up in the last hour, 0.26%. And it is down in the last 24 hours, 1.23%. And it is down in the last seven days, 3.47%. Ethereum is at 16,000. Of 1600, we'd be all jumping for joy, right? If we had Ethereum, if it was at 16,000, but it's at $1,649 and it is up in the last hour, 0.31% and down 1.0% in the last 24 hours. And it is actually up in the last seven days, 0.51%. And so there are a lot of other cryptocurrencies. As you know, there's over 30,000 cryptocurrencies out there. And so you can look at them all and figure out what you want to do. I'm not telling you don't get involved with any other cryptocurrencies, just proceed with caution, but you can look them up at will. But I am going to tell you because of my research and my study, 
that as of 14, as of January, 14% of Americans actually own Bitcoin. So that was a question that I've been asked over and over. Like, how many people do you think in this United States own Bitcoin and 14% of Americans own Bitcoin, which lets us know that we're very early. And because it's the world's largest cryptocurrency, um, we're, we're in a good space to be early, to be ahead of the crypto curve. So the difference is that there's 14% of Americans that own Bitcoin in January compared to 15% last October, which means Ownership in Bitcoin has dropped just a little bit. And again, we're not worried about it. I just think that is because a lot of Wall Street has decided to back up and get out of the space, which is great. But the ownership of other coins also experienced a minor drop over the past two months. The American people who who own cryptocurrencies and the cryptocurrencies I find that are most popular in our community. I'm going to just say XRP is one of them. And I talk about all the time. Uh, the president gets hecklers that are Republican. I get hecklers that are from XRP. <laughs> and, and, and they don't necessarily heckle me about Cardano, but they darn sure heckle me about XRP. And XRP has seen a decline of about 3% this year compared to 4% in October. And only 6% of Americans own Dogecoin. This is the most popular meme cryptocurrency according to the latest market update for the consultants that are looking at all the data. But I want you to listen to this. The share of American men who own Bitcoin actually declined from 24% to 20% over the last few months. Again, I think that's Wall Street that is getting out of the picture, which is great. At the same time, more American women now own Bitcoin compared to October. So in October, it was only 8% and now it's up to 10.5% of women that own Bitcoin. Now, I'm just going to tell you, Susie Orman, who is someone that does not talk, I'll just say my language in its totality because of what she feels about term and term insurance and and different investments we very we're very different in that way but she started telling her listeners last year to go ahead and put a little bit of bitcoin in their portfolio well if you know anything about Susie Susie Orman you know that women are one of her bigger listeners so i would just tell you that I'm hoping uh, that some of our women in our community are paying attention to this because, you know, women tend to have a lot more success in trading because of just some of the different sensories that we use. But a lot of women are starting to get into the Bitcoin space. So we'll talk about that next month during Women's History Month. But uh, the shares of Bitcoin that are owned increased among baby boomers and Gen Xers. So I hope that that's a lot of you that are listening that have started to get in this space. Your numbers are actually being seen, but 
it dramatically declined among millennials from 29% to 21%. And I think the reason for that is because they got into a lot of these cryptocurrencies that I've been telling people to stay away from and it burned them and they got a sour taste in their mouth about the cryptocurrency space or a, um, a unrealistic feel that they thought they were going to get rich quick. And when they didn't get rich quick, they turned from this space because, you know, you got to get something to keep their attention. A lot of people get bored with Bitcoin. They get bored just hearing dollar cost average, as many of you are, which is why I know you're going to turn to some of these coins that I'm telling you not to. And then you're going to have your hand in your head wondering why you didn't just hold on and play things a little safer than you did. But more than the fifth of Americans plan to buy Bitcoin during the next few months. And hopefully it is your plan to buy if you haven't already started. Meanwhile, 13% of Americans still have plans to buy Dogecoin, even though they've been cautioned. They are planning to buy Bitcoin. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, most of the United States adults remain bearish on the price of Bitcoin, meaning they don't expect Bitcoin to do anything in spite of the recent market recoveries or anything like that. And so they're feeling like Bitcoin is probably going to go to right around 15,000 in the next six months. But again, nobody knows we don't have a crystal ball to decipher what's going to happen. So naturally, cryptocurrency owners are a tad more optimistic. I'm always optimistic because I think about the technology and not the price. A Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. A Satoshi is a Satoshi, no matter what it's trading for. And eventually, when it becomes scarce, more scarce than it is today, we're going to have a really great opportunity to really uh, show everyone that we were early adopters and that it's paid off for us. So with that, when we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue the cryptocurrency conversation. I did have a couple of things to share with you as it relates to London, but we are going to continue this cryptocurrency conversation we have got a lot to talk about this is kbla talk 1580 old money, old money new money new money we've got you covered keep it locked to the midday money chain on kbla talk 1580 now, now let's get back to ahead of the crypto curve with naja roberts on kbla talk KBLA 1580 all right welcome forward welcome forward we are just, I mean, we've got so much to talk about. I told you, I did not know that we would just be jam-packed, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about London tomorrow. I'm just going to really share some of the hubs of cryptocurrency and tell you why it's important because we've got a lot of uh People from the diaspora all around the world that are doing some great things in this space. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. Someone asked a question, and I think it's really important that we answer this question today. Someone asked, how can you convert Bitcoin into fiat currencies? And so if you don't know what fiat is, F-I-A-T, you can go to the Webster's Dictionary. It's just the paper dollar that you hold, that you 
uh, put in the bank, et cetera, et cetera. So how can you convert Bitcoin to fiat currencies? And one of these days I'll do a whole series about fiat currency, the history of it, how it works, what's happening right now, especially in this economy. And we're going to do that sooner than later. We'll have a whole show that's dedicated to what fiat currencies are and why it's important that you know what's happening with fiat currencies. But people are buying Bitcoin. They're buying small amounts of Bitcoin. They're buying big amounts of Bitcoin. And they just really want to know if they need to buy a house or pay a bill or come back out of Bitcoin because, of course, you know, they took fiat to buy the Bitcoin. Now they're going to take the Bitcoin to go back into fiat to maybe buy something somewhere where someone is not accepting Bitcoin. So let me first and foremost say that you can use a cryptocurrency exchange. So it's very, very important to know how to cash out of Bitcoin or withdraw Bitcoin into whatever your currency is. I know we have people listening everywhere. So it could be US dollars, it can be the euro, it can be it can be nairas, it can be whatever is being accepted in their native countries. You can absolutely convert your bitcoin back to your local currency. There are some easy ways to do this. First and foremost, again, a cryptocurrency exchange. You have exchanges like Binance and and Gemini. You have crypto blockchain plug. I or my exchange buys Bitcoin every single day from people that want to cash out of their position for whatever. Maybe, again, they need to refurbish a part of their house. They want to put a down payment on a property. We do all of those things uh, and we can show you how to do that and what needs to happen for that to take place. You can sell your Bitcoin in person for cash um, if you come to to our exchange. We'll literally uh, make an appointment and do some of those things. There are other local Bitcoin organizations that will do that for you as well. You have to go online. I'm not going to say that's so safe. Uh, and I want to make sure that you don't do that. In fact, it's not a good idea because even though you're in a safe location, somebody can wait for you to leave and they know that you sold them the Bitcoin and now they, they, you have the cash, they have the Bitcoin and then they get the cash back and then you're in in a situation where you don't have either. So be careful with that. And that's actually one of the reasons why we started our brick and mortar exchange, because people were meeting in parking lots or in libraries or maybe even in a bank um, lobby to try to sell their bitcoins from person to person. I've even met someone in the past in a Walmart and I drove all the way out to Orange County and sat in a McDonald's inside of a Walmart and bought bitcoin from someone and when I needed to sell it back to him, to someone, I've done that as well. And you don't really feel safe in that way because you have cash or you're holding cash and then you give them the bitcoin and you got to make these transactions. So that's actually why we start at our exchange so that people can feel safe. You can also go to a Bitcoin ATM and you can sell your Bitcoin back to the Bitcoin ATM. It'll shoot out some cash for you, some fiat 
You can do that. You can also use a Bitcoin debit card. There's many companies right now that have Bitcoin debit cards and you can tie that Bitcoin debit card to your Bitcoin wallet address. And as you go into the store and you slide for whatever it is you're buying, you just scan it and you're able to purchase and they just take the Bitcoin from your wallet. And so there's different ways that you can convert your Bitcoin to fiat currency. And I want to make sure that you all are aware of what those things are so that you can continue to understand that this is something that we're doing right now today. It, it's happening. People have Bitcoin. Maybe the Bitcoin is higher than when they purchased it and they want to get out of it or they've got some fear, uncertainty and doubt and they want to get you can definitely convert your Bitcoin at any time you wish back to fiat currencies. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, this is KBLA Talk 1580. You're linked to the Midday Money Chain with Lynn Richardson and Naja Roberts exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. Find a righteous range and don't be afraid to say what you see. We're KBLA Talk 1580. All right, welcome forward. So ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to do our daily dollar cost average. But before we do that, I wanted to share with you that on Friday, this Friends and Family Friday, I will have Dr. Jamar Montgomery on our show. He is an educator. He writes policy um, he actually helps bridge the gap between Web3 and the government. He ran for U.S. Senate and he is calling himself or he is the crypto politician. So on Friday, we will have Dr. Jamar Montgomery on and we will get a sense of what he's doing to bridge this gap. So also, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to ahead of the and you can find out or, or listen to or see what's going on on in this entire space, you can go to NajaRoberts.com. We have so many things going on. We're really excited about the movement that we're getting in the space. We are going to continue to do our daily dollar cost average. We got just a couple of more months to do $6 a day so we can keep poverty away. Uh, but we want to show how incredible it is to really start to stack Satoshi's. Mostly how many Satoshis we'll have at the end of this year, what is actually what the value is actually, but more than that, just really teaching people to just buy when the, the price is high, when it's low, when it's volatile, when it's not volatile, when it's hot, when it's cold, all those things. Um, you know, I always in this crypto winter say that people just disappear and fall away. And I absolutely love it. And I saw on Twitter today, somebody said, where are all the people talking about cryptocurrency? Well, it's obvious that we're still here. We're still standing. We're still talking. Uh, and I'm not ashamed of that at all. And I am so looking forward to being able to prove some of these naysayers wrong. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are dollar cost averaging $6 on the Black Wall Street wallet. We are buying Satoshis. You do not have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy just a small fractional part of a Bitcoin. A Satoshi is the smallest increment of a Bitcoin. Like a penny is the smallest increment of a dollar. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we are utilizing the Black Wall Street wallet because we are recycling black dollars on a platform that is owned 
by our tech founder, uh, Mr. Hill Harper, and he's working to do some great things with that wallet. So in your leisure, please take the time and do your uh, $6 per day, $6 per week, $6 per month, $6 per year worth the Bitcoin, whatever you can afford to lose. And I'll say it that way. I'm not providing any financial advice, but I am saying to each one of each and every one of you that DCA in dollar cost averaging is the best way to get involved in this space. You all don't touch that dial. I am making way for the D.L. Hughley show. I want to thank each and every one of you for rocking with me today. Your host, Naja Roberts, on the head of the crypto curve, where we are creating Satoshi millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you. You're listening to Naja Roberts on the head of the crypto curve. Please follow her on all social media platforms at Naja Roberts. No underscores, no dots, no numbers, just Naja Roberts. Let's close the wealth gap. It's our turn. Learn or get left behind. Create your own economy. Let's get ahead of the crypto curve. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.